Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Every week here at Wire to Wire, we talk about the fantasy football waiver wire, and obviously I love football and I love fantasy football, but I also love good music, and the Black Crows recently announced that they are going back out on tour. I cannot wait for that show. One of my favorite songs by the Black Crows is twice as hard, but it is twice as easy to find their tickets on Game Time because Game Time has tickets not just to sporting events, but to concerts and theater shows as well. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome in to Wired to Wire for week 12 of the NFL season. Two weeks left in your typical fantasy football regular season, and we've got some big waiver wire names to talk about in this edition of Wired to Wire. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by Brandon Funston. Funston, how you feeling with just two weeks left in the regular season here? You said two weeks, just two weeks. Yeah. I think I'm in trouble. I think I'm in trouble, Michael. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm in trouble. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a rough year for me. Oh, man. Hey, you know what it happens to all of us at some point? Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. You, you got to have you got to have the downs so that you have your, you know, you have the average. You're not going to hit the highs every week so, you know, or every year. What's interesting this year, and, uh, you know, we don't need to get into this too much, is that uh, there there have been so many injuries that have taken down uh, like complementary pieces, right? Like even if like like yeah. if you if you Juju Smith Schuster has been healthy all year, but the Ben Roethlisberger right. injury has totally killed Juju Smith Schuster. That's just the most readily available example. But there are a lot of those, so it's been a you know obviously everyone there's going to be someone in every league who gets hurt by injury every year. But this year it really hasn't been the injuries to the big name players. It's been the injuries to the big name players tied to the injured players that have hurt the most. Yeah, it's funny. I have a fair amount of Juju Smith-Schuster out there. I actually had a decent amount of Antonio Brown as well. So uh, both of those guys conspired against me this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the Antonio Brown thing was just he became too cheap later in you know later in the summer. It was it, you know you just saw the upside. Um, and you know, often as we do, we we like to chase the upside and just kind of mm-hmm. completely ignore the, the downside and. Uh, you know, there's always a downside. Yeah, you conspired against yourself a little bit on that one. Right. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> that's, you, fair. that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can follow me on Twitter at M Beller. Check out Brandon every Friday on Dunks and Dimes. He and Eric Wong going over the fantasy basketball world. Uh, well, we're like a month into the basketball season now, aren't we, Funston? Yeah, yeah, we're cruising right along. Um, so yeah, Eric Wong and I have been talking every Friday and. Uh, Lots of good stuff. Encourage you to come check it out if you're into fantasy hoops at all, and especially if you're into fantasy hoops and you need a little help with your uh, with your lineup because we do a lot of uh, talking about ways to help out fantasy owners in that uh, capacity. 
you know, every Friday, Brandon and Eric hitting you up with fantasy basketball advice that you need on dunks and dimes. Go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire. Get 40% off a subscription if you are not yet a subscriber. If you're listening to this in the free universe, go ahead and do that. Get access to everything here at The Athletic, including Jake's waiver wire column, which you are going to want to read. That coming out at midnight Eastern on Monday night. And again, if that is also you, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, whether you're listening to iTunes, Spotify, uh, Simplecast, wherever it might be. Please just uh, go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. Really does do a lot for us. We really do appreciate if you've been listening to us all season and liking us all season. If you could take the minute or two to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's get on to our waiver plays for Week 12, Funston. Last week of buys, uh, Chiefs and Chargers. Yes, right, everyone. Uh, Huzzah, no more buys after Week 12. Chiefs and Chargers, they play the Monday night game in Mexico City. Then they go on buy next week, joined by the Cardinals and the Vikings. So a huge week of buys. There's a ton of fantasy talent on those four teams. We start, as always, with our top picks and our top picks, Funston, driven by injury this week let's start in indianapolis marlon mack fractured his hand going to be out for at least a couple of weeks here maybe the rest of the season we'll have to wait and see on that but certainly it's going to be a whole lot of work for jonathan williams and naheem hines in the immediate term for the indianapolis colts we're going to talk about both of them here but jonathan williams is the colt you want correct funston yeah, you want the Colt, the lead running back, you know, and Jordan Wilkins is, is her. I, I like Jordan Wilkins, uh, you know, and if if uh, Marlon Mack were down, Jordan Wilkins were healthy. I would love Jordan Wilkins, but uh, we're down to number three here. And Naheem Hines is, uh, you know, is going to be the change of pace guy. And, and Jonathan Williams is clearly looking like the lead guy with Wilkins and Mack out. Now, you know, I'm not super excited about Jonathan Williams as a talent, but I'm I'm excited about this situation. You know, it's almost plug and play for these running backs, a really good offensive line. Uh, you got a pretty good matchup against the Texans. You saw the Ravens run all over uh, last week. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, what, 16, 17, 18, maybe even north of that touches. And uh, with that being the case, uh, you got to be excited about that. I don't know that I'm excited about him long term. I do think if Jordan Wilkins can get back and get healthy, he'll get back into the mix there and probably, uh, you know, move ahead of Jonathan Williams. But at least for one week, if you're fighting to get into the playoffs, Jonathan, Jonathan Williams could be that guy that definitely helps you out. Yeah, Marlon Mack suffered his injury early third quarter, and Williams got 13 carries the rest of the game, turned that into 130, or 116 yards, excuse me, also caught one pass for 31 yards. So he was very productive in just about a half of action in the Colts' uh, big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Already his fourth year in the league. Uh, don't have a ton of tape on him because, as you said, Funston, maybe not super excited about him as a talent, but he steps into what should be a lucrative position uh, if if – Last night or yesterday's game against the Jaguars is any indication uh, they're going to treat him the way that they did Marlon Mack, at least in terms of when they have a lead, right? They're not going to go away from it. They're not going to change what they want to do in terms of running the ball. Again, 13 carries for 116 yards for Jonathan Williams in the second half of that win over the Jaguars. We agree, Naeem Hines uh, really just the change of pace guy here, and I would even rather speculate on Jordan Wilkins getting healthy and coming back before Marlon Mack does than get Naeem Hines. He had just three carries in that game, four targets, did score a touchdown, but he is still really just a uh, running back in name only, a low-value pass-catching running back is Naeem Hines. Jonathan Williams is the Colt you want for now. How about over in Detroit, Funston, Bo Scarborough? I think this might be my number one guy. Yeah, I wrote Jonathan Williams in the sheet first because uh, uh, the injury to Marlon Mack obviously is going to grab the headlines. But I think if I can only get one guy this week, it's going to be Bo Scarborough. I know that we are all burned 
by the Detroit running back situation, even going back to the people who spent a high pick on Carrion Johnson uh, way back in August and early September. Obviously, that didn't pan out before his injury, but Scarborough got 14 carries, turned it into 55 yards and a touchdown in the loss to the Cowboys. He outtouched Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. Certainly looks like he is the lead guy in Detroit for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I've been on this guy since uh, since that, that he was I'd say he was either a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. The year Alabama won the national championship with him kind of as the lead guy. Uh, I don't know if you remember that or not, but uh, guy is uh, an Adonis. He's not a very imaginative runner, not very versatile. But and I but I've been kind of surprised that he hasn't splashed more in the NFL since he's been there. He's, I think he was on Jacksonville's practice squad. I know he was on the Seahawks practice squad for a little while. So. This is a, at least his third team that he's been with, but man, he's just uh, he's just a big Adonis looking running back, and uh, in a straight line capacity, I think you know he can do some damage, and we saw that in Week Eleven. You mentioned the fifty-five yards and a touchdown, so obviously opportunities are available in Detroit. This is a team that's wanted to run the football since Week One. They haven't been able to do it. Anytime they can have success with somebody, I think they're going to be willing to chase that a little bit more. So I think Bo Scarborough, I'm with you. I like Bo Scarborough more than I like Jonathan Williams. Yeah, well, you got to like, I mean, this was a game that, uh, I mean, you know, Detroit got out to that early lead because of, uh, it was a defensive touchdown, right? That they that was the first score of that game. Uh, so they had that early lead, but then Dallas obviously rallied quickly and got in the lead and, you know, they stayed committed to the run. 14 carries in a game where, what, there were 58 points put up on the board, 52. Right. Two points, right? 35-27 was the final. So 62 points uh, were scored in that game. And, you know, Bo Scarborough got plenty of work. So you like that. You like the early indication uh, there. And the next two matchups, I, I don't think, scare you at all. Uh, they play Washington this week. And then the Bears, uh, who, uh, you know, defense that's been spending way too much time on the field. Akeem Hicks is the best run stopper in that defense. He's injured. So next two matchups really don't scare you at all for Bo Scarborough. He would be the number one guy that we go after. And like we said with Brian Hill, you know, it didn't pan out obviously this week, but we don't know exactly what these situations are going to be. All we can do is read the information that we have available to us and Bo Scarborough, another empty the fab budget for me this week. Uh, he would be the number one waiver play uh, for us here on Wire to Wire. Third guy uh, that we're going to talk about, Funstner, I guess the fourth, if you want to throw Naeem Hines in here, is another guy who is in his role because of injury. He's just been in the role for a couple of weeks, but uh, it's your guy out there in Seattle, Jacob Hollister, three touchdowns in his previous two games, maybe flying a little bit under the radar because of the Seahawks being on by last week. But you look up and down all the available players, Funston, and even if I didn't need a tight end, like I think I'd rather have Hollister than most of the wide receivers we're going to talk about. And if I do need a tight end, he is obviously the guy who I'm going after. Yeah, and we've talked about, or I've talked about, you know, how the Seahawks like to use the tight end, how they like to run them up the seam, and and uh, you know, look at look to them around the goal line. It's worked out this season that Seattle's had the eighth most productive tight end position in fantasy. So uh, with Hollister, the thing is, he's a pro- he's more athletic, at least as a receiver, than Will Disley was. Will Disley, the nice thing about him is he was a big bear that could block really well, but he could also go out and, and catch passes. Where Hollister's more of a hybrid kind of uh, receiving type but um that's worked fantastic so far and he's made some tough catches they aren't always they haven't all been like very easy catches either i think he's really quickly gained the trust of russell wilson and we know the seattle offense they're going to find ways to use that tight end every game so i'm with you i i think this is he's one of those guys that i would have as a kind of a borderline top 10 tight end the rest of the way 
yeah, came through uh, in his first game with a large role a couple of weeks ago. And what you love to see after that is that uh, Wilson doubled down on him, right? Got six targets in that first game. And that was when he had two touchdowns in, right? It was, it was, and then, uh, yeah, it was just last week that he only had the one touchdown. We got 10 targets for Seattle. So you love seeing Russell Wilson going back to that well. Jacob Hollister, uh, I agree with you, Funston, someone who has the look of a top 10 tight end for the rest of the season. Uh, those are our top three guys, Bo Scarborough, Jonathan Williams, and Jacob Hollister. I'll also mention Darius Geis. He's a little bit above our ownership rate threshold, uh, so we're not really going to get into too much depth about him. We talked about him a lot in this space all season long. If Darius Geis is available in your league, go grab him, make him a priority ad, going to be the go-to back in Washington the rest of the season, and uh, had a 45-yard receiving touchdown in Washington's loss to the Jets in week 11. Uh, let's move on now to our position by position. Look at the rest of the waiver wire. We're going to start at the very thin running back position. I guess not super thin, right? We already got Scarborough and Jonathan Williams in here. Guys, if he's available in your league, but beyond the, uh, it's I guess top heavy is maybe a better way to say it because the other guys we've got to talk about Really not going to move the needle all that much. The first one is Trey Edmonds. He's likely to be the lead back for Pittsburgh versus the Bengals this week. Doesn't sound like James Conner is going to be able to give it a go. Jalen Samuels obviously is going to be involved, but involved as a pass catcher first, a runner second. So that means Trey Edmonds likely to lead the team in carries this week. And that might not mean much in certain matchups, but it does mean a lot in Pittsburgh's Week 12 matchup because they get the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to running backs and half PPR scoring. And the early line has Pittsburgh favored by six and a half points. Uh, so Funston, if you're looking just at week 12, like uh, let, let's say that, let's say you need a week 12 win. How close is, is Edmonds to Scarborough and Williams for you? Um, Yeah, he's, he's not too far back. Um, I, you know, I obviously see, the upside of the matchup. It's been typically a pretty good, uh, you know, lucrative spot, the Pittsburgh backfield. I just, you know, you don't like that Jalen Samuels is probably, you know, in this game, six to seven catches and, and maybe the same amount of carries. He'll probably get, you know, a handful of carries as well. Uh, so you're really hoping, you're really hoping for, you're getting no PPR bump from him. And so you're hoping for something like 70 yards and a touchdown. I think you're, you know, you're, probably not going to get the the 100 yard game you're probably not going to you're probably getting something like 13 to 16 carries in that range and so um you know it's sort of a a derrick henry light kind of line here in my estimation but it's a good it's a good match i mean you just might get that 60 to 70 yards and a touchdown so even if you are thinking about week 12 and only week 12 you still would rather have scarborough and williams ahead of edmonds um i i'm gonna say yes yes i would I think yep. I would do Scarborough's no question. I mean, Scar- yeah. Scarborough versus Washington is an excellent spot. Um, and he's not going to have, I think, the same. So, I mean, J.D. McKissick is there, but J.D. McKissick isn't there the way that Jalen Samuels is there in Pittsburgh's offense. I think you could, I think there's an argument for Edmonds over Williams, but I agree the upside is a little bit higher uh, with Williams because of Samuels' presence. But uh, if you need a Week 12 win, Trey Edmonds is definitely not a, uh, you know, something you're going to be crying in your into your soup about if you don't get Scarborough and you don't get Williams and you do get Edmonds. He's definitely a solid consolation prize if you miss out on those two guys doesn't have as much long-term juice as Scarborough or Williams might, but uh, certainly someone you could grab this week and plug in with uh, some degree of confidence in week 12 with the Steelers visiting the lowly winless Cincinnati 
Bengals. Uh, one more guy, really, that's it left to talk about at this position, and it's Jay Ajayi. Is there any reason to go after Jay Ajayi? I'm saying no. I think we just have to mention him because we are seeing him get scooped up in fantasy leagues. Yeah, I have no interest whatsoever. And this guy was available for a while. He, he you know, he tried out for a few teams with no interest. Uh, I thought that if he had anything to show, Arizona was a ready and and, and willing, uh, you know, team to to take somebody in. And and they passed on him. And I think Ajayi just ends up in Philly because they had a rash of injuries all of a sudden. And here's a guy that's out there who knows the system. And so if in an emergency situation, you can plug him in. But I'm guessing, and I'd be shocked if he shows that he has a whole lot left in the tank. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, we're more likely to see him sparingly and, and let them continue to, to give Miles Sanders a little bit more work uh, if Jordan Howard has to continue to miss time. Yeah, we're a full-service operation here uh, at uh, at Wire to Wire. Not only do we tell you the guys who you should go after, we tell you the guys who you shouldn't go after. Uh, I, I don't think Boston <laughs> Scott was, you know, just a, a one-week thing for Philly. I think he stays in front of Jay Ajayi uh, for the rest of the season. And obviously, once Jordan Howard's ready to go, which could be as early as this week, then it's back to Howard and Sanders and no one else matters. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a, a fair assessment for sure. Yeah, so we just want to warn you off. Do not fall for Jay Ajayi. He should not be on your radar whatsoever. Uh, again, handcuff season in fantasy football started a few weeks ago. We've talked about these guys a bunch, so no reason for me to uh, to waste my breath listing them. If you have a big-name player such as Dalvin Cook, such as Ezekiel Elliott, such as Leonard Fournette, who has an obvious uh, handcuff, Go get that handcuff and get him now because you do not want your starter to go down and not have Alexander Madison or Tony Pollard or Ryquel Armstead or whoever it might be to fall back on. Let's move on to the wide receiver position now, Funston. Uh, Another similar situation to uh, Darius Geis. Debo Samuel has been huge over the last two weeks. He, too, is a little bit more than 50% owned, so we just want to make this sort of a, a big flashing warning light to everyone out there. If Debo Samuel is available in your league, go get Debo Samuel. Easily our top wide receiver available in fantasy leagues. Over the last two games, 16 catches on 21 targets for 246 yards. This was a guy who a lot of people were excited about at the start of the season, had a lot of sleeper juice. Took him a while to get going, which is, uh, you know, frankly the case for a lot of rookie wide receivers, especially one playing in such a run-heavy offense like San Francisco. But things are starting to click for Debo Samuel. Things are starting to open up a little bit for Arizona, or for San Francisco's passing game. Debo Samuel, the top wide receiver in any league, he is available. Now we are ready to move on to the guys who we can actually talk about. And this first one, to me, Funston, really interesting. Uh, Randall Cobb, over the last three games, has 16 catches on 23 targets for 256 yards and two touchdowns. And what I love about him, Funston, is that he's doing it alongside a producing Amari Cooper and a producing Michael Gallup. It's not like he's replacing them. This Dallas passing game is just taking off. Yeah, Dak Prescott's been, you know, unbelievable. They've been definitely leaning on him. It's been his team this year. And you're right. You look at Cobb. You mentioned the targets, back-to-back 100-yard games, back-to-back touchdowns. Um, you know, he's kind of been consistently average before that, but now he's stepping up. And this has been a, you know, we think about Cole Beasley with uh, with this Dallas team. And Dak Prescott's liked to, to lean on that slot receiver a fair amount in the past. And this one, you know, when Randall Cobb is healthy, might be the most talented one he's had there. So uh, he's interesting. I'm probably not that interested this week at New England, um, but I can see some utility for him 
in the final month of the season, and especially if you can make it in, you know, into the deeper into your playoffs, there's going to be some nice matchups, and even at Philadelphia in a championship game, if you get lucky enough, if you have a room on your, you know, on your bench for him, and it's a nice kind of insurance to have as a guy that you could plug in there at the end if you needed to. Schedule is really the one knock against Randall Cobb, immediate schedule. You you mentioned New England this week, then the Bills, then the week after that, which would be the first week of the fantasy playoffs. The Bears, obviously, that is a completely rudderless team, but the pass defense still has been very good all season long. So three tough matchups coming up for Dallas's passing game, but still, we've seen plenty of Randall Cobb and plenty of this passing attack over the last couple of weeks to recommend him as a strong target on the waiver wire. Darius Slayton, the next guy that we got to get to here. Uh, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, both still dealing with their injuries, although Sterling Shepard is already back at practice on Monday of this week. Of course, the Giants uh, engaging in a full practice on Monday, given that they had a bye in week 11. But back in week 10, Darius Slayton got 14 targets, caught 10 of them for 121 yards and two touchdowns. Giants also have a tough upcoming schedule. They get the Bears this week, the Packers the week after that. Week 14, however, a very cushy matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Where are we on Darius Slayton right now? Uh, I like him a lot if if Sterling Shepard's out. Uh, I don't know that I like him so much with, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are playing there at the wide receiver spot, and he's playing with them. Um, and and so for that, I'm my, you know, my enthusiasm is tempered. I think he's a good player. And he looked really good, uh, you know, the last time out with the 14 targets. Um, I just, you know, I'm going to temper my enthusiasm if they get guys healthy there. And also because you, you mentioned the Bears and the Packers coming up, I would like that Eagles matchup. But the Packers and the Bears have been good against uh, receivers in fantasy. So uh, I'm sort of I'm sort of kind of, you know, like I said, not super enthusiastic about Slayton this week. Yeah, how do we compare him actually with Randall Cobb? Because right, they're they're two guys who um, are never going to be the number one target on their team. Maybe really not the number two target on their own team. They both have high volume running backs, uh, elite running backs uh, that their offense is going to feed, feed, feed. They both have challenging upcoming schedules. How do you compare the two against each other? Given that they're you know on paper, uh, you take their names off of it and you take their recent performance off of it. You know they're dealing with relatively similar knocks against them. Yeah, but, you know, even before these last three weeks, Cobb was getting a regular, like, five, six targets, and he kind of has had this this sort of steady roll there, even though it hasn't been super high. I think you can count on 40, 50 yards most weeks with him. And so with Slayton, I think you're going to see a little bit more volatility. You might have a little bit more upside for the big plays and, and, and stuff. And so maybe you just kind of gauge it like that. Do you need someone who's, uh, you know, you can plug in, you know you're going to get something, or, if you, you know, are you going to go reach for that upside of Darius Slayton? So... To me, that's kind of how I would I would differentiate these two. Agree, and I, I just you know it, when given a chance to bet on Dallas's offense or bet on the Giants' offense, ten times out of ten, I'm going to be betting on Dallas's offense. So do like Randall Cobb better than Darius Slayton, both guys who we think you should be checking out on the waiver wire this week. However, and James Washington perhaps joins their midst. Definitely a step down for me, Funston, but uh, we know Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson uh, both left uh, the Week 11 loss for Pittsburgh uh, to Cleveland with injuries. Uh, James Washington had three catches for 49 yards in that game. The week before, six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Upcoming schedule, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Arizona. There's some great matchups in there, particularly Cincinnati and Arizona. Uh, Where do we rank James Washington Obviously, we can't know the injury situations for Juju and Deontay Johnson. So going into that, how do we feel about James Washington on the waiver wire this week? Uh, I think he's he would be third, well, fourth if we count Debo. But he, of these sure. guys that we've talked about, he's he's last on my list. Um, 
I don't know. I, you know, there's it's been a lot of waiting for James Washington to do something. And I just feel like this last month, he's really had an opportunity and, you know, he had a game here and there where you get pretty excited about it. He had a 90 yard game with a touchdown a couple of weeks ago, but I just, you know, this is his, this is his college quarterback in, in an opportunity where he is getting a ton of run. And I just feel like we should have seen more by now. And, and to me, I think that's what you're going to get with him. It's just, there's going to be an occasional, uh, you know, nice week, but you're going to be disappointed more often than not. And so you can chase the opportunity here a little bit, but I just um, don't really, really have high expectations. This is going to be a guy that's going to come in and have a big, you know, much of an impact in your fantasy playoff weeks. It really does get to that point, right, where you need to finally see it. Like, it has to happen. Uh, that, that was a big reason why I was way, way out on Dante Moncrief this season. I think you'll remember the boomlet that yep. uh, that cropped up for him. Uh, you know, number two receiver, DeAndre Juju, and then who else is going to catch passes in Pittsburgh? And I just felt like, you know, he failed in Indy. He failed in Jacksonville. Eventually, you know, we need to actually, like, all the opportunity in the world is great, but we actually need to see him do something. And that's why I was out on Moncrief. So I think this is a much, you know, shorter window version of that, I agree. I think your point is well taken that James Washington, just even with the opportunities had, hasn't really broken through as any sort of consistent force. Uh, I will say, I agree with you, fourth out of the four guys we've discussed. But again, if you go back to the buys, I mean, you know, Tyreek Hill taking a seat this week, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen. I mean, there is, it was, for four yeah. teams being on buy, I mean, there is a ton of regular, like, no question about it. If you have him, you're starting him, guys taking a seat this week. So I do think that's where James Washington becomes interesting on the waiver wire this week is you can't get the guys we've already talked about. Uh, you, know, you can't get Samuel. You can't get Slayton. Uh, you can't get uh, 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 Randall Cobb uh, and James Washington is sitting out there. And you have one of these guys who's on by because the Bengals certainly uh, present a nice matchup. As we already talked about uh, for Trey Edmonds, James Washington could take advantage of it as well, especially if one or both of Juju Smith-Schuster Smith excuse me, or Deontay Johnson are unable to play. Obviously, they're going to have the 10 days off since they played on Thursday night, so keep an eye on that this week. But James Washington maybe factors in as a you know low-end three, uh, wide receiver four, depending on how your situation shakes out for week 12. A couple more receivers to talk about here. Uh, Devin Funches could make his uh, return to the field in week 12. If he does make his return, Funston, and his teammates, T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, both still out, how do we feel about him, Colts, playing the Texans on Thursday night football? Yeah, you know, I've never been a huge Funches fan. He's, you know, he's kind of slow, so, sort of a plotter. You know, feels like he should be more like an athletic uh, tight end as opposed to a full-on wide receiver. But you can see the case for him in this in this offense without those guys there. He's a tall, you know, kind of stands out in the red zone. I I would like him more than James Washington just because I feel like um, okay. because of that red red zone upside that uh, you know. I feel like there's a decent chance for a touchdown to maybe get into that mix there as well. So I like him a little bit more than James Washington is what I'd say. Okay. We're a little different there. I would prefer Washington. And I guess I'm, I mean, I guess I would like fun, fun more if, if T Y and Campbell were out and Juju and Deontay Johnson were playing. Right. So that's sort of the situation that we go into this where we're not really going to be sure what Washington or Funches are dealing with in terms of teammate health uh, by time their games are played while we're making our claims. So that's something that you got to keep in mind. Uh, I still prefer Washington a little bit to Funches, but it's close to I don't want to say it's six and one and half dozen of the other. It's more like seven and one and five of the other. It's very close, but uh, I do think that uh, that Washington would be 
my preference between these two guys. Got a lot to do with that Cincinnati matchup as well. And the fact that he's at least been working all season with Mason Rudolph. Can't say the same thing with Funches having uh, been dealing with his injury all season long. One more wide receiver to touch on. Similar to what we did with uh, with Jay Ajayi. And we agree, no value there. Don't chase, uh, don't chase ghosts with Jay Ajayi. Are you willing to chase ghosts on Nikhil Harry? Not yet. I mean, I, I loved Nikhil Harry in college. And I thought he would have a, you know, would be a bright NFL future kind of guy. I just think this is not going to be his year. I think this is a learning year. It was, you know, he's dealt with injuries and, you know, in, in preseason and in the camps, you heard a lot of stories about how he was struggling to get up to speed with this offense and all that. And I think it's just, as, you know, they're going to try to work him in now that he's healthy and get him some experience. But I think in, in the hierarchy of this Patriots offense, he is way, way down the list and just someone that despite a whole lot of talent and a bright future, is not someone that's probably going to be able to help you a whole lot during your fantasy playoffs this year. Yep, we're in total agreement here. He was a guy who was drafted for 2020 for the Patriots, and not really for 2019, especially with the way uh, that his uh, rookie season has unfolded. Just not the sort of guy that a team with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations I think is going to uh, spend too much time working into the mix when they've already got Julian Edelman and Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett and James White and their established pass catchers just can't really see Nikhil Harry getting any sort of run where A, he even gets the fantasy points or the the, the fantasy value, and B, certainly where you're not going to trust him, right? Jake loves talking about that. Jake Seeley, our colleague here at The Athletic, uh, loves talking about that, and I think it's something that's smart to keep in mind, right? It's not like even if like you're going to need to see a game from Nikhil Harry before you actually play him. So that first game that he may or may not have, he's going to be on your bench for it. So you're, right. now we're talking about betting on him having two games and how confident are you even going to be if he does have that first game right. All that goes into the calculus here. Nikhil Harry, someone I think we'll be talking about quite a bit in 2020 draft season, but not someone who we need to worry about for the remainder of 2019. It's our last spot at the wide receiver position. We always talk about him, Funston. We're calling him now the old standbys. Guys like Cole Beasley, Auden Tate, Chris Conley, Zach Paschal. We've talked about these guys a ton all season. We don't need to go into any depth on any of them. But as you look at this list of, what, about 12 guys we've got written down here or so, any of them jump out at you that you want to talk about that you might like to have for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think Hunter Renfro is a guy that the more I watch him, you can see him kind of growing into that grease man role for that passing game. Um, And you look at his last four games, he's averaging over 60 yards, has a couple touchdowns sprinkled in. And I even like him this week going on the road to face the Jets. That's been a very generous secondary. I think they've given up uh, top five um, most generous secondary. So Hunter Renfro getting the targets. Uh, you know, not a huge, huge upside, but just as he's one of those guys, I think you plug in, feel like, okay, in a half PPR sense, uh, you know, I should be able to get 10 plus points. I feel good about that this week. So um, he's, and I can see his role, role growing as a rookie. And as we get, you know, later in the year, they no longer are rookies and they're, they're a little bit more NFL veterans. So I think we're uh, getting in plus Hunter Renfro already looks like an NFL veteran. You can <laughs> <laughs> yes, he certainly does. He's looked like an NFL veteran probably since he was like 14 or 15 years old with that. Uh, although, you know, I, I obviously you guys can only hear me. You can't see me, but I'm not one to talk about anyone's hairline, uh, especially someone who's uh, like 13 years younger than me or whatever Hunter Renfro might be. I agree, though. Definitely a guy who uh, who might have some long term value here, especially with what we've seen out of Oakland's offense, uh, a team that certainly has played above what a lot of people expected of it 
this season. Uh, I'll throw Josh Reynolds out there. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine Brandon Cooks uh, getting back, um, you know, any point soon. Maybe not at all this season. Obviously, concussions are a very scary thing, and the the Rams are doing this right and taking it easy on him. And the fact that they're ruling him out for you know the the that that week's game on a Monday. Uh, tells you a lot about where he is right now. So Josh Reynolds, it seems like he's going to have a role in this offense, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, the numbers haven't been huge. He does have 19 targets, though, in the last three games, and he gets a little bit of a pass the last two, uh, last two games for the Rams at Pittsburgh and then against Chicago, two of the better pass defenses in the league. Rams only scored 29 points in those two games, and Reynolds had what would have been a long touchdown taken off the board uh, last week against, uh, or last night, excuse me, uh, against the Bears on uh, a penalty that, you know, was technically, uh, by the letter of the law, a penalty but didn't really seem to open up the play that much. It wasn't like, uh, you know, an offensive pass interference that sprung Josh Reynolds open, and it's the only reason the play happened. So something to keep in mind going forward. Another tough matchup this week against Baltimore, but then gets uh, Arizona in Week 13, Seattle in Week 14. So things could be uh, easing up for Josh Reynolds a little bit. He's someone who I would take a look at if I were unable to get some of the other guys that we've already discussed in the show Tight end, our last position to talk about here, Funston. We actually have a few guys, I think, that deserve the uh, full wire-to-wire treatment. We're going to start with your guy, Noah Fant. Yeah, I I mean, you know, obviously Brandon Allen at quarterback's kind of elevated his game a little bit, but he's been playing a lot all season long. And he's still a guy that's, uh, you know, in terms of nuance and just kind of taking some of that raw talent and turning it into polished talent, he's still very much a work in progress. But when you're that athletic – Sometimes you can still pop, and we've seen that with Brandon Allen at quarterback the last couple of weeks. He's you know in sixty yards this past week on eleven targets, uh, but only four catches. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, the efficiency could be better, uh, but you love a guy that's out there all the time getting eleven targets the week before. He only had four targets, but he turned it into uh, 115 yards and a touchdown. So there's just a lot of you know i keep saying this word upside but that's that's it with this guy so yeah i like him you know i think you're looking at buffalo this week that could be a little bit tough uh there so you know i might pump the brakes on him for this week because i think we're going to talk about some other guys and maybe they you know because of their ownership rates you can basically call them streamers you know and, and maybe you go a different direction but in terms of just generally over the course of the rest of the year i feel pretty good about noah fan Yep, agree with everything you said. And another guy who I think we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about in the summer of 2020 uh, should at least be on your stream radar for the rest of the season. You love seeing the 15 targets over the last two weeks, especially since those track with the two games that Brandon Allen has started. Uh, The next guy I think maybe is someone who you're referring to. It's Dallas Goddard. Um, Six more targets in the Eagles' Week 11 loss to the Patriots. Caught three of them for 36 yards and a touchdown. Had one uh, bad drop uh, at the uh, and Philly's very last possession of the game. So that could have been, you know, four catches for what, probably about 56 yards. That was probably about a 20 yarder that he dropped and the touchdown. Uh, You reference uh, guys who have better matchups. Dallas Goddard certainly has that this week going up against the Seahawks. Yeah. And then you got the, then you got the dolphins and the giants after that. So it'd be hard to, if you know, you're going out there looking for a tight end and you pick up Dallas Goddard, it'd be really hard to have to cut him loose at any time in the next three weeks. And I think he's, Prime for a nice day against the Seahawks. I talk about all the time about how the underbelly of that Seahawks defense is so vulnerable. And and honestly, I just think Dallas Goddard is a is an excellent talent. If I think if you were drafting uh, NFL, you know, redrafting NFL teams in reality, I would I would think this guy is maybe a top top six, top seven tight end choice, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even higher. I just think he's 
that good and uh you know and it's young and it, everything is kind of arrowing up for this guy so um in this current philadelphia eagles offense with all these injuries they're going to be running continue to run a lot of these 12 set two tight end sets and uh that should work out well continuing going forward for dallas goddard they're not going to play the Patriots every week. In fact, they're not going to play the Patriots again unless it's uh, somehow the Super Bowl and the Eagles uh, make a run that none of us are seeing uh, at this point, which I guess they did a few years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah. but uh, man, I mean, you know, I've got I've got Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders on my home league, so obviously a, a team I care about very much. Uh, I've I had Dallas Goddard playing in place of the injured Austin Hooper in another league I care about very much. So I was watching that game intently, and that offense, man, I mean, that did not not inspire a ton of confidence. No. Oh, man. And honestly, I think it's started a lot with Carson Wentz. He, he just did just didn't make too many plays. You know, uh, there wasn't a lot that where he kind of uh, had to improvise. I mean, he he sat in the pocket and just made a lot of a lot of kind of not good throws. And so, I you know, I don't know. I I, I agree with you. I think this Eagles offense is uh in a bad way right now, I think they needed guys like Deshaun Jackson and they needed, uh, you know, yes. I think they're going to be in the market for some a little bit more athletic and dynamic wide receivers going forward. Alshon Jeffrey is nice, but he's kind of like a, almost like a tight end. He's a plotter, you know, and so injury prone plotter as well. And what you don't have is just guys that can stretch the field and are, you know, are dangerous vertically and uh, like that. So I think defenses know that and they're just, you know, that's just kind of killing them because there's a lot of business right you know in the box and in close to the line of scrimmage definitely think that Dallas Goddard however is going to let that play to his fantasy advantage for the rest of the season and as you said Funston an excellent schedule if you're if you're invested in Philadelphia at least you've got that it's been a slog to this point of the season but a great fantasy friendly schedule for the remainder of the year Ryan Griffin uh, someone else who I think deserves a lot of mention here caught five passes all five of his targets in fact in the Giants or Jets excuse me win over Washington for 109 yards and a touchdown he also has a very friendly schedule coming up Raiders Bengals Dolphins we've been waiting for Chris Herndon waiting for Chris Herndon waiting for Chris Herndon it never happened because of suspension and hamstring injury maybe we should have just been waiting for Ryan Griffin all season yeah, what it heard him played a little bit in week 10. That was it. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the you look at what Ryan Griffin's done, the two games before that, really good. And then Herndon shows up, and I think Griffin had like one catch for two yards, and then Herndon's out again, and, and Griffin goes over a hundred. So uh yeah, Griffin's been the guy. Um, we've we, as we've been waiting on Herndon all year long. Griffin finally said, you know what? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to wait for Chris Herndon. I'm going to step my game up. And he's done that in the last month. It looks very good. Sam Darnold likes to throw the tight end position clearly. So uh, and he, he almost as good a uh, schedule or maybe as good as Dallas Goddard. So both of these guys, um, because of the schedule, I think I like ahead of Noah Fant. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they've got uh, a lot of long-term viability uh, if you are someone who uh, has been struggling at this position all year or if you weren't struggling until Austin Hooper went down with his injury. Uh, Travis Kelsey's on a bye this week. Hunter Henry's on a bye this week. Maybe you've been riding Kyle Rudolph. He's uh, on a bye and then likely uh, watching his teammate Adam Thielen return and zero out most of his fantasy value. So uh, Dallas Goddard and Ryan Griffin, certainly two guys who you could go after uh, and trust for the next couple of weeks. One more guy I want to talk about, Ross Dwelly, scored two touchdowns uh, in the 49ers win over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we know, however, that uh, it's really just a touchdown or nothing uh, sort of situation for Dwelly. Had four catches, uh, including those two touchdowns, 
for all of 14 yards. Let's assume George Kittle is out again this week. The 49ers host the Packers on Sunday night football. Does Dwelly's touchdown upside get you more excited than any of the guys we've talked about this week? Yeah, I think so. Just, you know, you talk about uh, the touchdown upside and San Francisco's one of four teams uh, in top four in red zone scoring attempts per game. This is an offense that gets down there. And so, uh, yeah, maybe you're not loving him as a George Kittle replacement in terms of the catches and the yards you'll get between the twenties. But uh, we, what we saw in his last game is that if he's out there, he's a threat to score a touchdown because this offense moves the ball. And so uh, for that reason, he's a decent flyer. Again, probably all these guys that we've talked about ahead of him are certainly who I'd be looking for first, but if you're in a tougher league and he's out there, uh, you know, at least you have that to chase. And I think it's fair. Yeah, I don't think Goddard or Griffin is uh, controversial at all. But uh, again, assuming Kittle's out, would you rather have Dwelly and San Francisco's offense in the better matchup against Green Bay or Fant and Denver's offense going up against uh, Buffalo? Um, You know, that's a great question. I will probably say I'm going to go with Fant just because, uh, look at 11 targets mm-hmm. on the field all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a big discrepancy in the athleticism. And sometimes, you know, we've seen that happen a couple times this year where Noah fans taking like a bubble screen and taking it to the house. Uh, there's just that potential for something like that to happen. And I'd rather just roll those dice. Agree with you there. And they're going to try to do that, right? I mean, that's going to be stuff right. that's schemed into Denver's offense, whereas Dwelly is, you know, a, a goal line guy. And especially with the, the trade for Emmanuel Sanders and the emergence of Debo Samuel, there's not necessarily reason to try to use Dwelly in the way that Denver, I mean, he's not capable of doing what Noah Fant does from an athleticism standpoint, but maybe not even the motivation from San Francisco to try to get him involved in the offense in that sort of way. Uh, let's move on now, Funston. Two more topics to talk about before we call it a day on Wire to Wire. Uh, it's the stream topics. We start, as always, with the quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Phillip Rivers taking a seat in Week 12. Who do you like as a streamer? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, back to Nick Foles, uh, who in his first game back since sitting out since week one had 296 yards passing, had completed 70% of his passes, had a couple touchdowns. And this week you get the Tennessee Titans and all that quarterbacks have done against the Tennessee Titans in the last month is combined for nine touchdown passes. And three of the four quarterbacks to face them have gone over 300 yards, including last week giving up a 400 plus yard passing day as well. So I think by the numbers and by the way, Nick Foles looked, you know, and, and you'll, it's the first game back. So you got to assume he's going to get a little bit more of a higher level of comfort, comfortability uh, in a second time out, but uh, still got, he's got DJ Chark out there and those guys uh, rekindled their early season romance right away. So um, I feel good about Nick Foles as a plug, plug and play quarterback for this week. Got to believe there were a lot of fantasy owners out there cursing DJ Chark's name with that completely <laughs> meaningless touchdown at the end of uh, the Colts blowout uh, against it. And I know for sure of one because uh, he texted me complaining about it, a uh, friend of mine. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely not there a lot of people. Some, some owners were uh, rejoicing his name yes, as well. Though. Absolutely. Exulting in the garbage time. That's why we love uh, fantasy football or, you know, as the case may be, hate fantasy football. <laughs> but uh, I think Foles is a good one. Um, you know, so I think there are a lot of good options, actually, uh, this week. So uh, I'm going to look to Sam Darnold, uh, another guy who, uh, you know, I keep going back to 
as a streamer. I think Jets Raiders has the uh, ability to be a sneaky high scoring game. Maybe not even that sneaky. Uh, you could have a, a pretty high over under on this one. We saw Darnold and we've seen Darnold uh, in, in plus matchups. The guy has delivered uh, through four touchdowns against Washington in week 11 uh, and uh, you know, got a lot of his guys involved, right? He got Ryan Griffin involved. Jameson Crowder scored again. Uh, Robbie Anderson only had one catch, but it was for a touchdown. Uh, so they're starting to get all these pieces involved. And I do, I think the jets are going to be, you know, maybe a sneaky, um, I don't know if I want to say playoff contender next year, but someone who we are an offense that we talk about as, you know, there's a lot of weapons uh, around Sam Darnold. And so I think that we could see Sam Darnold and Derek Carr uh, going back and forth in this one. So I do like Sam Darnold quite a bit as a streamer this week. I uh, really like that Jets offense. Uh, really like the passing attack. Really like how they are leaning into Darnold. They put up a, a couple of big games against bad defenses the last two weeks, uh, Washington and the Giants, and they get another solid matchup against the Oakland Raiders in Week 12. Defenses to stream, Funston. Uh, what's a unit that you're taking a look at trying to get on your teams for Week 12? Well, Atlanta Falcons have done an about face. They're one of the worst defenses in the league through the first, uh, you know, uh, nine weeks of the season. You look at the last two uh, facing the Saints and Carolina. I mean, 11 sacks combined and four interceptions uh, coming out of this last week, only, only giving up 12 points. And now you get the most giving quarterback in the league in Jameis Winston. So I think the Falcons are 2% owned right now. And uh, my God, if you've seen the last five games for Jameis Winston, it's, it's unbelievable. I think he has 18 sacks, uh, 13 interceptions. Uh, the, the team has six uh, fumbles in that time. Uh, so Jameis Winston, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are maybe probably inarguably the number one opponent that you like your defense going up against. And therefore I will take a, a hot uh, Atlanta Falcons defense going up against them. Yeah, who who knew that all Dan Quinn needed to do to save his job was give up responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. All it took. Don't 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 call the plays anymore, Dan. And suddenly That's that right. defense has looked a whole lot better against a couple of tough opponents uh, the last few weeks. I'm going to throw out two just because one is above our ownership uh, rate threshold that we usually use, but just barely. So I will say, if the Cleveland Browns are available in your league, they get a great matchup at home against the Miami Dolphins. They've got the long week after playing on Thursday night last week, so they will have 10 days off between games. Do like the Cleveland Browns as a streamer if they are available. Again, they're uh, right around 50% owned, so a little bit higher than we typically talk about. We try to cater to everyone and talk about players who are available in a majority of leagues. Not necessarily going to be the case for the Browns. If they are available in your league, uh, check them out. think they can really stifle Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami offense. Assuming they're gone, I agree with you, Funston. I think Atlanta is a great choice. I will also throw out, uh, for similar reasons uh, to you liking Atlanta, the Detroit Lions. Um, yeah, this is another team that's going to get a great matchup. You say that the uh, Bucks, uh, one of the most giving teams, uh, so are the Washington Redskins, and that's who the Lions play in Week 12. It's in Washington. they got to go on the road. Uh, Detroit has not been a good defense this season, uh, but still, uh, you get a matchup. We talk about this a lot. So often, you're not necessarily backing the defense. You're backing the offense, who they're playing, or you're fading the offense that that defense is going up against. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins has whatever the opposite of the Midas touch is uh, uh, for the Washington offense. So I think that Detroit can force a couple of turnovers, get a couple of sacks. And uh, when you're streaming at the defense position, that is more than enough to like a team, to back a team. Give me Detroit. If I can't get I'm going to go for Atlanta first. I'm going to go for Cleveland leagues where they're available. If I can't get either of them, though, the Detroit Lions are a team 
I am happy to turn to. And we, of course, Brandon and I hope that you are happy to turn to us on Wire to Wire every single week here at The Athletic. Thank you again for listening. Just two weeks left in the fantasy football regular season. We, of course, hope you don't need any help from the waiver wire, but if you do, we like to believe that we've been able to give it to you here this week and every week all season. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. Follow me on Twitter at M. Beller. One more time, 40% off if you go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire. Get yourself an annual subscription, which gives you everything at The Athletic, including Jake Seeley's waiver column, which we always recommend you pair with this show to attack the waiver wire from every single angle. Thanks again for listening. For Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great week. Thank you.